This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live. I am Kayla Canaram alongside our WinterIsComing.net editor-in-chief, Dan Selke. We are happy you are with us today. It is Wednesday, and we are ready to talk all of the season season eight newest news. We are, and there's quite a lot of it, Kayla, so let's just jump in. Hello, everybody, for coming. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that uh, Take the Black Live is, for your information, on iTunes. So if you could, you know, subscribe, download, rate us five stars, leave us a panegyric, beautiful, just slobbering, positive review. That'd be great. Um, But (laughs) with that said, um, a lot of news is coming out of the Season 8 set, Game of Thrones. And thank you all for joining us. Hi, Dan. Hi, Lucy, Kathleen, Julie, Andrea. Good to see everybody here. And let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. You know, Kayla, we're pretty far into filming on Season 8 at this point, and Game of Thrones is almost over, but there is still time to have some new blood into the cast. Is his name Dan Selke? That's ri- no, that's ridiculous. How could that happen? <laughs> Wishful thinking. It is. Um, the point is, HBO is casting new actors to play new roles in Game of Thrones Season 8. Even this late in the going, they're still adding new people. So if you guys are interested in become- getting on Game of Thrones, you might still have a chance to be specific. Um, they are casting. They want three new actors uh, to play two new roles. We have a young mother... Age twenty-five to thirty, mm-hmm. uh, and a that could be me. it could be you, right? <laughs> it could be you. Um, and I'll major and get on it. Young twin girls, age five to eight, to play that young mother's daughter. Side note: You sent me an email this week, and it was the best email I'd ever received. <laughs> you asked me uh, if two people played the part of Michelle in Full House. I, did. I said Daniel. Yes, Mary Kate and Ashley. Hello. I didn't use the names, but I did. They used um, Mary-Kate for more tomboy scenes, Ashley for more girly scenes, and they used oh, Ashley a lot more when she was a baby because she cried less. That's good. I didn't know Fun that. Fun fact. They, they typically use twins for yeah, child exactly. parts. Which is why they, they want loves. young girls here. They don't want to have twins on the show. They want to have a young girl on the show who's around five to eight years old, and because child labor laws are strict, yep. they want young twin girls to play her. Uh, these characters <laughs> are going to be in a disaster situation. And a, I'm sorry, a survival situation. Kayla? It can also be a disaster situation. It kind of is the same-ish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that could mean, Kayla? A young mother and her daughter in a survival situation. I mean, on this show, who knows? 
I kind of get the idea. By the way, if any of you have ideas, feel free to let us know. I'd love to know. Um, I'm guessing probably some peasants in King's Landing. I can see like dragons kind of raiding the place or something, and they are. Cersei will be behind this somehow. Eh, maybe. I see it more as a a White Walker Daenerys thing. Because she causes things too. I mean, we don't think about it, Kayla. Daenerys is benevolent. We like her and everything. But if she's going to burn down, she's going to get what she wants. I mean, there are innocent people she's going to affect. I can't see her doing that, though, to a mother and child. I mean, I'm not, she wouldn't, like, bear down on a mother and child, like, pick them out and just, like, blast them. It'd be, it'd, <laughs> right. be, it'd be more, she's, a, she's attacking the city, in my little view, and then, you know, that has collateral damage. Mm-hmm. If you burn down a building, it's going to fall on someone who didn't deserve it. Right. It could be anybody, is what we're saying. Um, beyond that, ooh, um, Julie Davies could be their grandmother, she says. She might cast for that, too. Um, beyond that, another new actor they're adding on, so not more new people, a young Irish actor named Frank Blake, who hasn't had a lot of work, but he did appear in uh, the Frankenstein Chronicles alongside Sean Bean of Game of Thrones fame. Okay. He's on Netflix now. He'll be playing a northern... There he is. He'll be playing a northern sentry who has scenes opposite um, leading cast members. He filmed stuff in December. It's kind of a creepy photo. It is. I mean, I, I had to go through the Frankenstein Chronicles and, like, he's not big in it, so I just had to, like, pick out little bits. Okay. Not like he has, like, up close and personal things. His DMs yeah, are about to be lit. His what? <laughs> his DMs. He, After they, being they on really the Game of Thrones, yeah. It can do things to your career. It's going to skyrocket him. So that's good to know. But the point is, um, we're getting new blood in for the final season, which I think is good. You know, you don't want to stagnate too much. I mean, they're no Ed Sheeran, but whatever. They're no Ed Sheeran, but whatever. Yeah, you were aware that people were pretty upset about that, yeah. the Ed Sheeran cameo? They hated it. I mean, some people hated it. I don't think most Didn't people Didn't he, cared. like, deactivate Twitter because of that? I think he deactivated Twitter because of a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Wasn't it, like, a long time coming? Yeah. Just add it to the pile. But it can't hurt. Um, a propos of nothing, we're on iTunes. Subscribe and download us on iTunes. Um, okay. Moving on, let's talk about some things happening on the set. Because as we know, season eight, they are building a lot of, they're pouring a lot of money and time mm-hmm. into building these giant sets. And every week, new things are happening there. It's always fun to follow it. Uh, ooh, uh, Cindy Crawford thinks maybe flashback scenes. Cindy Cranford, I'm sorry. Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford. Else. Hey, girl. <laughs> Glad you watched with Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Cindy Cranford. Um, flashback scenes, maybe. I doubt it, Cindy. Because this, they, they, they've been very good about not having flashbacks. You know, if they get to the end of eight seasons and have only, like, one flashback, it'll be, show a lot of restraint. I feel like most shows would have just bombarded us with flashbacks. I have a point. flashback request. Do you know what it's going to be? Um, let me guess. Um, you want to see young Cersei and Jamie's first fumbling tryst. <laughs> no. Okay. I want something with Ned. Of course. That would what be my request if, if I could ever be so lucky. Anything to specific? see him again in season eight. Ah, uh, just that he's there in some capacity. No, fair enough. I mean, with Bran going back in time, could always happen. Right. See him in the past. But uh, back to the season eight set. Okay, so the season eight, the King's Landing set they're building in Belfast is just gets more and bigger and bigger, more and more elaborate. Okay, so for a while, for, you might remember, for a while back, they built this giant, ragged, like, destroyed hole in a wall. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, it's in, in the implication there is that something blasts through and it leaves this gaping maw in its wake. 
And we have that looking good, right? Just look at the detail That's there. That's insane. I know. But the interesting thing is, now they've been building over that, and now they've built a complete gate to cover it up. Huh. Right there. Interesting, huh? Huh. Your take on this, Kayla Canero. Um, For show purposes or, like, tourist purposes? Really after. in general. How about show keeping, first and tourist keeping after? Keeping something out. Hmm? To bl- put that up? Yeah, keeping absolutely. Keeping something out. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're putting up the gate so they can blow it up on camera, right? Right. That's got to be it. What's your take, Dan? That's my take. I just said it to you. Um, that <laughs> okay. They built the Anything gate. Anything specific, though? Like, who are they? I don't really. Not really. Dragons, White Walkers, whatever. But the point is, they're going to be a big old gate, film some scenes in front of it. And the only reason they would build that kind of lovingly crafted gaping maw under it is so they can blow out that wall in a spectacular fashion using carefully controlled special effects... Um, methods <laughs> and then it'll look great on camera and then leave that hole in its wake and then film people pouring over that so just the point is they're preparing to dazzle us with special effects although practical special effects which are really the specialist kind of special effects I find that's special I agree <laughs> subscribe on iTunes That's fun. Anybody have this any... This will be more natural next time. <laughs> uh, Lucy thinks that a flashback dream could be when they find out Gendry is Robert and Cersei's firstborn. Ooh, that's a uh, deep cut of a fan theory there. But uh, we'll see. It's possible, Lucy. Um, sticking with King's Landing. Okay, this part's pretty cool. They've also built a kind of dome-like structure mm-hmm. on top of one of the buildings. And we saw this, we were like, what is this dome thing going on? And then uh, Watchers on the Wall, another Game of Thrones fan site, pointed out that it's actually a replica of a dome on top of uh, St. Blaise's Church in Dubrovnik. Now, why would they do that, Kayla? Because that's always the city that they've modeled it after. So they're basically, they're not only building King's Landing, they're building like a swath of Dubrovnik in Belfast. Because Dubrovnik looks so much like King's Landing, so they can probably match it back and forth, you know? Mm-hmm. They'll get shots of Dubrovnik, shots of the King's Landing set, and it'll be easier to match back and forth if they have the exact same skyline. They are oh, getting God. technical in Season 8. They're getting detailed in Season yeah. 8. And again, um, for fun, we all know, we see the, the side-by-side there. Well, part of it. If, if you go to the left, you can see the dome, whatever. The point <laughs> is that um, the whole thing is going to be left... Um, up for tourists after filming is over. So all this beautiful detail, you'll be able to experience yourself. I'll be able to experience myself when I get a ticket to Northern Ireland and tour um, Titanic Studios. And we already know how I feel about that. Love these things. Because you've been to what? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You you said you went to like the Friends apartment or something or other. Oh, yeah. The the outside of it. Home Alone House. Mrs. Doubtfire House. Home Home Alone. Is that that Chicago? That is. Dan, it's right down the street. It is. I think it is. 20 minutes north. The one from the first one? Yeah. Okay. second. And maybe third. I thought the second was in New York. It's. The family still lives in Chicago. Okay. I gotcha. It's been a while since I've seen those. Lost in New York. But home is Chicago. You know, I'll love that. So it just keeps getting more and more elaborate. And finally, there's one other piece of King's Landing news, because it just won't stop. Um, there's been a, a bit of a breaking news, but this is a, a minor spoiler. So like, put one of your fingers in one of your ears, but you don't have to do much for this. 
It's uh, <laughs> surely you remember the big meeting at the Dragon Pit at season seven, Kayla, oh, where yes. they all came together. How could we forget? How could we forget? It was fun. Cersei's throwing side eyed everybody. Daenerys comes in the dragon. It was it was a good time. Everybody gets mad. Everybody talks. The biggest, I think, the most characters ever in the same place in the show's history it was bananas. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, the news is basically that. Um, HBO secured the rights to film at the Ruins of Italica, which is an ancient Roman amphitheater that they used to stand in for that area, which is cool in itself Mm -hmm. because, you know, ancient history is always fun. Agreed. But um, the takeaway is we are going to go back to the Dragon Pit sometime in season eight. So we're going back there. We don't know what's going to happen there, but we're going to head back there for some reason. Your guesses are? My guess is, mm, that's a good one. I'm going to guess we're going to see some kind of bloodier action. I, I, I don't think it'll be another meeting place. I think they've done that. I think they're going to repurpose the set. Or not the set, the actual location. So something um, more violent and skeevy goes down there. <laughs> I really don't know what it could be. I mean, perhaps... Um, oh, you know what? I'm just off the top of my head. Maybe they could like, lure some of the White Walkers or Whites there and then blow the whole thing up. By Dragonfire? Or? By Wildfire, Dragonfire. Mm-hmm, like a trap okay. of some kind. Or, was that uh, also where um, the incident took place with the man's head exploding? No. That, that was, was a else. different place. Okay. Yeah, that was just in front of the Red Keep. Just okay. the, the battle area. Right. Now, this, this was the, the big meeting place. So it's, it's fun that we're going back. It, it was a beautiful, striking set. I really liked the way they used it. And uh, one other place on the Game of Thrones world tour that tourists can take. Okay, John Bradshaw is hoping we get more leaks because there's no season nine. Yeah, I'm with you there, John. And uh, pretty exciting stuff. That is. Good news. I'd like to interrupt this moment to remind you all that the Take the Black um, Live is now on iTunes. You can subscribe, download, rate us five stars, and leave glowing reviews. I think we're doing really well. (laughs) I think you're doing great, Dan. (laughs) Anyway, one last thing I wanted to hit before we move on to A Song of Dan and Josh. Don't you have to tell someone something nine times before they remember? That's just what you're doing. I haven't heard that, but we can try that. Something like that. I'll get around to that. Um, One more thing I wanted to ask you, Kayla. Um, Game of of Thrones is going away. Um, It's got one more season left. And there are fans who are looking for a replacement. Um, Something to kind of fill the void when it goes. When you hear that, does that hurt your feelings a little bit? Because do you think that Game of Thrones can be replaced um yeah i mean i've <laughs> been a nerd for for many years and you you go you find a new thing to get into like you know harry potter was a lot of people's first kind of foray into this um you can get into things like lord of the rings after that get into a song of ice and fire after that there's always something around the corner yes. always something new to devote your time and uh, mental energy to or in this case your tv loving bandwidth and Amazon is kind of throwing its hat into the ring of potential Game of Thrones successor shows with a giant show based on the Lord of the Rings world. It's not going to be the actual books. It's going to be like before the books. We're not 100% sure of the details. What we are, what we do know is that according to Reuters, 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 according to a source, um, <laughs> Amazon is spending $500 million, million, $500 million dollars. on two seasons of this Lord of the Rings TV show. 
That is asinine. That is, that's a great description. That is. Okay, why do you think it's asinine? That's so much money. Like, one Game of Thrones episode is $15 million. $500 million for two seasons? And, and that's for the final season after it's, you know, proved right. its worth. Exactly. And gotten people to watch it. And did I read that it's $250 million to have the rights? Yeah. And then another $250 million for production? Yes. That's so much money. It is a lot of money. Um... I will say this, Amazon's priorities might be a little different because when, when, when HBO makes a show and they pour money into it, they have to get the return by you watching it or buying swag. Mm-hmm. Amazon makes a show, they can get the return by you watching it, subscribing to their video service, or if you go there and then buy things on Amazon, they get paid for that too. To their marketplace. Yeah, so maybe they have a bit more of a, a different incentive for, making, for pouring giant tons of money into a TV show. So they're just assuming that they'll get that much and some back yeah they're assuming that they'll break even somehow or another but it's still an enormous expenditure for an unproven show they think pretty highly of themselves i mean they also think pretty highly of the lord of the rings brand which is to be fair a very successful popular but this will be the prequel it will be and i mean still don't know what that means exactly Mm -hmm. i still don't know and I, I, I've wrestled with that because i'm a big lord of the rings fan that was kind of like my pre-game of thrones love naturally um nerd love and, um, I mean, I'd watch it. I'd certainly watch it, at least the first episode. But I, I'd be, I, it, it kind of reeks of um, opportunism to me a bit, mm-hmm. that there's kind of seizing what's hot at the moment because it's hot, not because it's, it's the right thing to do or the creative thing to do. Right. Should you tap but into I'm, something new altogether right. that hasn't been done yet? And I'm curious what you guys think. Would you watch a flashy $500 million Lord of the Rings show? Would that kind of... Uh, help with Game of Thrones withdrawals after it's over? Because I am torn. I, I won't lie. Ooh, Dan says, you can't make a good show by just by throwing money at it. Which I think is true. Yeah. I completely agree with that, Dan. Um, I'm trying to think of examples of that not happening. I can't think of any, but I, I'm sure there are some. You should probably subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm also very, like, I don't know. Once I, I see the original thing and then they try to, like, do a prequel or a sequel, like, and it's all different right. people. It just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Here That's... we go. Remember when they did that, um, that <laughs> yes. Sex in the City prequel? I, yeah, the Carrie Diaries. Carrie Diaries. That didn't go anywhere. No, it was on the CW, I think. It, yeah, it lasted a few seasons, I think. But that, that did not interest me. I love Sex in the City, and I had no interest in watching the Carrie Diaries. No, nobody did. The only thing that has gotten me is Fuller House <laughs> as a sequel. Which is a sequel, right. <laughs> And I mean, the, 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 the movies for Lord of the Rings are not that old, and they're still very beloved and successful. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if they're, if they're stumbling into um, a quagmire that they don't realize is there. But um, we can't be for sure. No one here seems to like it. Lisa Davidson says oh. no. Emma, not really. Julie Davis will not be watching it. Ugh. I am morbidly curious, but <laughs> I am curious to see where it goes. But mm-hmm. I'm tentative. Anyway, Kelly, do you have any other thoughts on Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, or how they, people can subscribe to us on iTunes? Tell us how they can subscribe on, subscribe on iTunes. You can go to iTunes and subscribe. And then what? You can download episodes of Take the Black Live on iTunes, if you so please. Rate us five stars. Or, yeah, five. Um, leave us glowing reviews. I think there was one other thing. But <laughs> the idea is we're on iTunes. And it'd be delightful if you or um, everyone you know could go and support us there. Anyway, Kayla, um, without further ado. Dan, always lovely. It really is. I'll see you um, guys I next think, week. Yeah. I think, uh, Kayla, 
Uh, good seeing you. We <laughs> will now too. bring in Josh Hill. Bye, everybody. Who is Fansided's editor to talk about more of A Song of Ice and Fire, our weekly read-through of A Song of Ice and Fire. We're still on A Game of Thrones, the first book in the series. Go through it chapter by chapter. I've read all the books multiple times. Josh has never read the books. We're just going to hit them up and kind of break it down, see what insights we can find. Josh, you were gone last week. I was. Um, how was your... Were you, t- were you just off? Or? It was a day off. I didn't oh, have the cool. flu again. Last time I was not here, <laughs> right, I had you the did. flu. About that. Although I did listen to Take the Black oh, that's on iTunes. Where? iTunes. Oh, that's great. right. This show's on iTunes, right? It is on I iTunes. I wasn't sure. A little birdie told me you can go and subscribe and then download and rate it five stars, but I don't want to tell tells at a school. <laughs> anyway, we are here to talk about um, A Song of Ice and Fire for Game of Thrones. We read two chapters to discuss today. We got Eddard 8, who, by the way, is like racking up these chapters really, really quickly. Yeah. He's by far the, uh, the biggest, uh, the, the person with the most chapters dedicated to him. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, Catelyn 6. I also noticed that Eddard chapters are getting really short. Mm-hmm. I, I like to have the next one, too. This one was like six, seven pages. The next was one was long, like yeah. seven, eight pages. He's, it's like, it's like this, this book is so um, centered around him that it's mm-hmm. almost like we have an Eddard chapter and then a couple other ones, then back to Eddard. He, it always circles back to him. Yeah. Which, again, is all part of that match that I've talked about where he tricks you into thinking he's the hero because mm-hmm. he's obviously the main through line, and then bam, he's dead. I know. I love, too, because like, these chapters do start feeling shorter, mm-hmm. and you almost don't notice. I mean, it's kind. Of, I guess maybe I might be reading into this too much, but we're getting close to the end of his story, and it's like things are starting to speed up. So yeah. his chapters are getting shorter, his time yeah, on, kind of, in the story right. is running out and everything like that, so I kind of like that. And also, they pack a lot of information into these shorter chapters. And I don't know, I was trying to remember if it was just short or if it went by quickly because we learned. It seemed like a lot was happening. And yeah, it, it we just kind of burned right through it because it's I like mean, some of these chapters, they It was along. short. I, I counted yeah. the page. was like, this is shorter okay. than usual. But it did, it did kind of hum along because we got, you know, stuff about, we hear Jorah and we got stuff in here about Daenerys and assassinations yeah, and it was all boom, boom, boom out. And I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I like that idea that the editor chapters get shorter as the momentum builds. Mm-hmm. Because it's like any, um, I don't know, like any roller coaster. The closer you get to the, uh, the point of excitement, kind of the tenser it gets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, the more it makes you want to read, I think. Yeah. It's like um, the Da Vinci Code where the chapters are really, really short. And you can just like breathe mm-hmm. through and feel really good about it. Anyway, um, in this chapter, though, you mentioned we heard a lot of things. heard about Jor, heard about Daenerys. I put down here that this is really one of the last times in a good long while where Daenerys' adventures in Essos play into the King's Landing stuff in a real way. Hmm. Like, this whole chapter is talking about, should we kill Daenerys? We know she's pregnant with the Dothraki. Mm -hmm. They're talking about it. They're debating it. That's basically the whole thing. They're just debating whether they should do this. Um, It's the the entire chapter. And it's another example of that kind of bringing the whole tying the whole room together, bringing the whole world together yeah. in, in a way that we can understand it. Yeah. Which, again, once the war breaks out and people don't really have time to think what's happening with this lady kind of over here, they mm-hmm. just kind of start to focus on, we need to beat Stannis or we need to um, beat Joffrey, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's good to have this here. And I, but um, beyond just that being nice and the world being tied <laughs> together, let's talk about the debate itself. Because... Mm-hmm. 
there are perspectives on both sides here. So yeah. King Robert wants Daenerys dead mm-hmm. because he fears what would happen if she crosses the Narrow Sea with an army, or rather Viserys, I guess, mm-hmm. with an army and takes back the kingdom. Ned does not want that to happen. Barriss and Selmy, because he doesn't want to kill a young girl. Yeah. Whose side are you on? Do they both have points? What are their points? Can you untangle this web <laughs> of uh, this web moral of... ambiguity? Uh, I, the one thing I took away from this, and I think you made this note, was that honor was not a good thing in this. Like, Ned was the most honorable person. He was. Out of this entire debate. And what, is, what purpose did it serve? He's, again, we, kind of what you've been saying, like, we think he's the hero. We think he's making the right call. This mm-hmm. is... And it's just like, what's, what's the deal here? Because it's all about, it kind of reminded me of... By like, the way, say hello to the people. Oh, I forgot. Hello. <laughs> I, it's not that I dislike everybody. I was just so amped up about iTunes and Take the Black. I, <laughs> oh, I forgot. So you can subscribe on iTunes. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Emma. I'll say hi. Hi, Julie. To everybody, yes. Julie. Hello. But at the, at the, the debate at hand, um, no... I kind of, it reminded me of modern politics a little bit where we have this debate about something very simple that becomes very, very complicated by everybody having their own opinion and everybody not always having the right opinion. And it kind of dilutes the whole debate. And, to me, and Ned was kind of like trying to be the straight arrow. He was, He's definitely. trying to be that politician who is like, I'm always going to cut through all the BS. I'm always, and you have everybody else who's playing the game trying to get to what they want. And it just kind of reminded me of like a modern Congress or something like that, where it's I this messy thing it. and there's no real right answer. And even the guy who does the right thing ends up being wrong and or wrong for him. So right. that's. Well, I mean, I mean, his position is pretty easy to understand. Yeah. He doesn't want to kill Daenerys because he's not he doesn't approve of killing mm-hmm. like 13 year old girls. So mm-hmm. that's 13 year old girls. It's a pretty it's pretty defensible, I'd say. Yeah. And the arguments against are. I think uh, I think Varys has like a quote, or maybe Pycelle. If just a should war come again, how many soldiers will die? How many towns will burn? How many children will be ripped from their mothers to perish at the end of a spear? Which is um, very graphic. Mm-hmm. And and that's basically the debate they're having. Yeah. Um, do you think there's there's a way to make the honorable point in a way that they would listen to it? I don't think so. I was. I think that they're so set in their ways of this unborn child is going to be the scourge of the a earth danger. or the scourge of Westeros, I guess. And it's just, I don't think that there was any changing their mind. Even if Ned came up with, I mean, this Robert great, was kind of. I felt like Varys and Littlefinger and Pycelle were all. No, Little, Varys and Pycelle were basically mm-hmm. on team kill Daenerys. Yeah. Barrison was on Ned's side. Mm-hmm. He was on we don't kill little girls. Yeah. And uh, Robert was, like, in the middle. Because mm-hmm. Robert was that kind of true warrior dude yeah. back in the day. And now he's more of a bureaucrat type, mm-hmm. and he's okay with doing this. So he's, you know, it's kind of got, like, Varys on the devil side, Ned on the mm-hmm. angel side, and they're kind of talking back and forth. Yeah. If you want to assign moralistic values to what they're talking about. Yeah, and, like, relating it to, like, a modern Congress thing, I thought of, like, Robert <laughs> as, like, the war veteran or, like, the John McCain or something like that, where it's, like, you've lived this life as the warrior and trying to do the honorable thing, and now you're kind of wheeling and dealing. You're unsure Ooh. of what to do. As John McCain, I like it. Yeah, so and that's, that, that's kind of how I interpreted all of that. And, you know, like, there's no reason. I'm obviously with Ned. Sure. <laughs> We're not going to kill a, a pregnant woman. So that's... By the way, um, I have one other point I want to bring up to you. Also, Julie has a question. 
Ooh. Are you available on iTunes? And the answer is yes. We are available <laughs> on iTunes. You should download, subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave reviews. Tell your friends. Yes. Good question, Julie. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, one other point I had about this is that we're yeah. talking about how to find a middle path through mm-hmm. not killing this innocent girl, but also maybe killing her to prevent future catastrophe. Who finds the middle path, in a way, is Littlefinger. Yeah. Because his suggestion is... Th- they want to hire a faceless man, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is kind of cool because we get the mention of the faceless, faceless man, man yeah. years before they show up, like books before they show up, um, which would definitely work because they're really good at that. Mm-hmm. That's their whole gig is assassinating. And Littlefinger suggests, no, it's too expensive. Let's just put out a bounty on her head. And he explains to Ned later that by doing that, he's making a situation where some idiot's probably going to try and kill Daenerys for the bounty, and they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And then that'll actually make her less likely to be killed because then they'll be in with their guard, which, by the way, is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. So is that a good move he made? Is that way it could have been gone down? Doing, doing something skeevy to achieve an honorable result. Yeah, and that's Littlefinger's M.O., doing something skeevy for, I guess, a result, not necessarily always an yeah, honorable result. Yeah, I mean, result. he has ulterior motives as to why yeah. he's doing that. But, but that I was mean, actually a great suggestion. It really like, was when he explains it. buys everybody it. time. Because Ned is like, Ned's just like a hardliner guy. He's like, let's yeah. not kill her. But it's also getting him, I mean, Robert fires him, basically, mm-hmm. here. He says, you're not the hand anymore. If he'd gone this route and just, he, he could still get the result he wants, which yeah. is Daenerys not assassinated. Mm-hmm. But he could do it in a way that doesn't get him banished off the council, which yeah. is what Littlefinger does. So another example of how he's just not thinking the way you're supposed to think in this no. kind of politically quagmire-ish environment. His head's not in the game. so It's, it's a different game, yeah. And, yeah. and this was Littlefinger's thing. This is why Littlefinger's always <laughs> a couple of steps ahead of everybody, especially Ned, mm-hmm. because he is Wait. always thinking that way. He's always He knows how to play the game. So, yeah. And I wasn't surprised by that. It was. It almost makes you hate Littlefinger a little bit more. I mean, I mean, but, but 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 why? He 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 found the right way to do it. He did, but he's just a slimy character, and it's like you don't want that guy to be right. You're like, oh, that's unfair. Dang, I mean, like, why? Should, I think you should reward results. <laughs> but not when Littlefinger does them. <laughs> You're biased. I'm gonna pick and choose. I am. I hate goatees. Fair enough. <laughs> so you get the nice beard going. Yeah, I guess I don't. You get rid of the sides. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this anymore iTunes subscribe now, says Julie. I agree, Julie. Um, and at, at the very end, um, there's a little cliffhanger. I think Littlefinger says, I'll take you to meet uh, the, the whorehouse where um, one of Robert's bastard daughters is. Mm-hmm. So that's a cliffhanger there. We'll pick yeah. that up in a minute. Let's move on to Catelyn Six, which Catelyn. is a much longer chapter and much, mm-hmm. it's less packed. Um, okay, my main takeaway from this was how much was spent on... Walking from point A to point B <laughs> without. I, I, I was reading through it, and a lot of this, a lot of it, mm-hmm. is descriptions of the veil. So, okay, so this chapter is Catelyn's at the mountains of the veil at mm-hmm. the start, and she wants to get to the Eyrie, take Tyrion there to put him on trial in front of her sister, Lysa, mm-hmm. and her crazy breastfeeding child. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of the chapter is just her walking through. I think I wrote it down. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Is cantering through verdant greenwood and sleepy little hamlets. Mm-hmm. Um, there are four straight pages of her climbing uh, the mountains to get, get to the Eyrie. Mm-hmm. I guess my questions for you are, A, did you even realize watching the show that there is, like, 
a kind of valley floor part of the Vale. No. Because I feel like people who watch the show or even that read the books, that they just think it's all mountains. Yeah. That's what I thought. Which is, 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 is what we see yeah. on the show. They cut out all this bit. Yeah, this was, yeah, that took me by surprise a little bit because I was like, oh, it's it kind of like made it seem more daunting than it was. Not that like a mountain isn't like this Mountain's incredibly daunting. daunting thing, but it's yeah. like the peaks and valleys, this whole journey that you have to go. Right. Because it's like very much indicated that Lysa went up to this, this castle thing that she has. Right. So, and that's it is basically to be like to get away, to like go into hiding essentially. So, this whole journey through this area where it's treacherous to try to get to her, like kind of set that up where the, it it kind of reinforced her insanity to me that she would go and put this she'd between hide herself in this yeah her, herself in the world she would put this thing between her. It's like it only reinforced the insanity. And then we meet her and clearly boy, she's insane. That's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of that. That I was trying to think of like why is there all this description of like the in between travel a bit of it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, if we want to underline the fact that how isolated she is yeah. and how hard it is to get to her which i mean she is, she does claim to be afraid of the lannister so she's hiding out mm-hmm. that long passage of i mean there are four pages of her ascending the mountain yeah. with uh this maya character mm-hmm. like going up in her donkey going through each of the three way castles getting in a little basket the winch and being hauled up there there's a lot of it yeah and um you're right it's a good point it's it illustrates just how hard it is to get to the Erie, and that could be important in terms of a um, an army can't get there. It's going to mm-hmm. be tough. That could be. I mean, it could be a plot later, but so far, it really hasn't. Yeah, interesting to me. <laughs> see, what else did I have you from this chapter, Josh? Um, it, was, it was also kind of like a, com- a comparison of Lysa and Catelyn. Okay. As far as with Catelyn and Bran. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. She was. She kind of got crazy. And was she did kind of get crazy. That whole fever dream thing that she had, where and she snapped out of it, and then she mm-hmm. went to King's Landing, and she's like trying to be proactive about it. Whereas her sister, or whatever this Lysa, it's her sister, yeah, her sister, basically hid in the mountains and is breastfeeding her child, who is older than Bran in this, or no, yes. Rickon, right? Um, I think it's older Rickon. than Rickon, definitely. Rickon, yeah. I, think, I, I think it's about Bran's age. About Bran's age. So is that kind too of too old? Is is the takeaway? From yeah. That, from well, that. she was like even like you know Rickon is half this age and he's already more mature than your breastfeeding man child. So yes. like that to me was like a, the juxtaposition of Catelyn snapping out of her kind of insanity and going and doing something about it. And then we have on the other side, her sister, same bloodline doing the opposite thing, hiding in the mountains, being a helicopter parent to the <laughs> nth degree and Absolutely. just kind of going nuts. So I, I liked that that was kind of there and it almost to me, Catelyn maybe realized that she was like, "Geez, like this is." This yeah, she is was not expecting that. Yeah, so that and it kind of helped me with Catelyn's character come around to flesh her out a little bit more to me that she's kind of realizing there's a lot out there, and it also reinforced to me that the Starks are better than some people. I would say because oh. they were looking at it, and she's because with the Ned chapter. Ned's always two steps behind and turning down the wrong corner. Right. Whereas here, it kind of r- reminded us that the Starks aren't just bumbling out of their depth over their skis fools. They are a pretty decent, put, well-put-together people. And yeah, this was kind of like a very stark reminder of it. Stark reminder of it. So That punk comes up a lot <laughs> in these discussions. Yeah, I like that a lot. I hadn't thought of uh, comparing Lysa and, what's his name, Robin to Calvin mm-hmm. and Bram, but it makes a lot of sense. Do you think it's um, 
exploitative or grotesque to have the the breastfeeding aspect because that like that that that's mm-hmm. one of those things from 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 season one where yeah. they got a lot of attention. Like the incest, the child pushing out a window, the horse beheading. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lady breastfeeding her like eight year old son. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like kind of this is a different kind of TV show. Yeah. Do you think it's a, do you think there's any element of grotesquery to it or just a, a char- interesting character detail? Um, well, when compared to the incest and all that, I think this. I is, guess it fits right this in. This is yeah. low. This is low on the list of shocking things. Um, yeah, it's. I think there's a debate about. The age in which you stop breastfeeding somebody in there, but too old. It's George R. R. Martin attempted to have this in 1997, and we're still talking about it. So <laughs> he did. I mean, it's fun. It's it's it. She's like a freaky, monstrous, weird lady. It's immediately yeah. arresting, and he immediately makes her interesting yeah. character. Now, poor, t- poor TV, kid, though. TV spoilers, and I think that I was oh, right. Go this ahead, this yeah. is who uh, Littlefinger. Somebody kicks out of the moon door, right? Yes. Okay. He will so. push her again out the moon door eventually. Mm-hmm. That's also, right. he's described as fuller figured and a little bigger and heftier mm-hmm. in the book. They that she's thinner in the show. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the word on that was they cast the actor and they were looking for someone a little fatter, but she just kind of had the desperation going, mm-hmm. which is the more important That's thing more about important. about the character. So that worked out. She was very vividly what I was picturing. Yeah, and that definitely. Just, so that well well done by HBO. Speaking of uh, other characters, we actually met quite a few new ones yep. in here. Do you remember Brendan the Blackfish Tully? Blackfish, yeah. Yeah, Catelyn's uncle. Yep. In, in the show, we meet him in the third season. He's, a, he's the mm-hmm. guy who, uh, when Ed Muir can't fire the flaming arrow to light his dad's Viking ship boat, mm-hmm. he like takes one just like, let me be you <laughs> idiot, and does it. He shows up here a lot earlier. Okay. Kind of a solid guy. Yeah. Um, you have any impressions of him? No. It was, I recognize the name, so right. that was kind of stuck out. A be. good sounding board for Catelyn. Yeah. Um, Bron, I think I feel like Bron's coming into coming into view here. Yep. It's like the the kind that we know him. Yep, courage he had and strength, but there was no kindness in him and little loyalty. Mm-hmm. And she had seen him riding behind Lannister far too often, talking in low voices and laughing at some private joke, which again yeah. is right from the show. Like it's pretty accurate. And finally, what, uh, the last thing we end on is this character who's not in the show, named uh, Maya Stone, mm-hmm. who appears the most a few times. She's the kind of the sh- Lady Sherpa okay. who brings Catelyn up to the thing. And a little bit of trivia. I don't know if this has become important in the book. She's not in the show. She is another one of Robert Baratheon's bastards. Oh. Huh. Another of hers, because he was fostered at the Eyrie when he was younger, like okay. 16, and he was up to his old tricks even back then mm-hmm. and um, had this girl a long time ago. Huh. But it, it, it's just a detail. Like, it never yeah. becomes important. It's just... Oh, I would hope not. The show just kind of skipped over this important detail. I mean, stuff. the show skips over some pretty big things. Not yeah. now. Right now, it's okay. pretty sticking to it. But that, that's a little interesting detail there. Yeah. And again, I mean, we, we, although it makes you think, we did spend a lot of time with her in those four pages. Maybe she will come back. I have no idea. Maybe. Anyway, any other thoughts on these two chapters, Josh? No, I did like uh, kind of the continuation of this Catelyn coming around to Tyrion narrative that's yeah. been going on. Yeah, Because it's fun. like... She was, you know, had him arrested in this tavern or this pub that they were in, and now it's slowly becoming. And I think it was important the mention of like Littlefinger and the dagger and all that kind of stuff, and Mm -hmm. her coming around to the idea that Tyrion's maybe not that bad, which in the larger sense is you've got a Stark coming around to seeing a Lannister is not that bad. So that was kind of, I like that. I, you know. We kind of all know where it's going. you're saying. I mean, also, let's qualify like not that bad, but still. Bad enough that yeah. she wants to try him for the 
uh, assassination of Bran. Yeah. So she's not she's not like all the way far gone. She feels bad about it. She, but not she, that I, bad I feel about like she it. feels a little. She has some doubts now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's a, a one part where she's like, maybe he didn't do it because it's starting to feel like it it it, it doesn't doesn't quite line up. Yeah, and I wonder how much Lysa and her craziness will play into Catelyn kind of softening her stance because maybe that Ooh, was a reinforcement of I'm going a little too hard in the paint here. I'm being a little <laughs> bit rough. I'm, maybe I'm not thinking clearly. This is what happens to you when you go totally off the deep end and just assume everything that's the worst thing is the worst thing. I like so that a lot. maybe yeah. that'll kind of soften her up a little bit. But. That's great. Like Lysa as like a kind of a funhouse mirror version of Catelyn. I hadn't really thought yeah. about it, but this is a book. Literary devices. Always fun. Yeah. Anyway, next week, I think we should read uh, the next Eddard chapter, and then I believe a Daenerys chapter. She, she Like, if Eddard has, like, all the chapters, Daenerys has, like, very few. So oh. when she shows up, it's always interesting. Well, looking forward to it. Yeah, next week we'll be back. Um, and we'll say hi more, next week. <laughs> a song of Ice and, he, he better. A song of Ice and Fire news, Game of Thrones news, uh, more of a song of Van and Josh. Back next week, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And between now and then, uh, my recommendation is we are on iTunes in podcast form. All right. You can subscribe, download, rate us five stars. be great. I mean, yeah. Um, I'd rate and, us five uh, stars. I would, too. I like us. We're and if you want to leave a review, that'd be great, too. <laughs> and uh, thanks for watching, guys. We will see you back here at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time next Wednesday. Have a good night. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.